Hello, this is Nikta from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 7th of June. With over 2,46,000 cases, India left Spain behind to become the fifth worst-hit nation by COVID-19. According to the latest numbers released by the Health Ministry, India reported a jump of over 9,000 cases for the fourth consecutive day today, pushing the total number of confirmed cases in the country to 2,46,628. The death toll in the country stands at 6,929. Since the first COVID fatality was reported in mid-March, the number of deaths in the country have crossed 6,000 within seven weeks. Almost half of them, that is more than 3,000, were in the last two weeks. Over 80% of these deaths were concentrated in 26 districts. Mumbai, Delhi, Ahmedabad, Thane, Pune and Chennai are the only districts with more than 100 deaths in these last two weeks. And while it is true that cases and deaths are mostly concentrated, there is no denying the fact that they are spreading. In the last fortnight, districts reporting at least one death have risen from roughly 230 to about 320. But compared to other countries, India's case fatality ratio still remains low at 2.8%. Globally, the case fatality ratio is 5.8%. In the US, it is 5.7%, in Brazil, it is 5.5%, and in Russia, it is 1.2%. While the country is in the middle of its battle against COVID-19, Home Minister Amit Shah is losing no time in prepping for the upcoming assembly elections in Bihar. The BJP has announced that the Union Home Minister will address party workers at approximately 72,000 booths in a virtual rally today. The BJP claims that nearly 5 lakh party workers will tune into Amit Shah's speech via YouTube, Facebook Live and the Namo app, of course. Many say that this marks the formal launch of the electoral process in Bihar, which is scheduled to go to elections in October and November this year. Meanwhile, the opposition Rashtra Jantadal leader Tejasvi Yadav protested against BJP's virtual rally along with RJD leaders Rabri Devi and Tej Pratav Yadav by banging utensils. Tejasvi Yadav had called the BJP's virtual rally political vulturism yesterday. He alleged that the BJP's only interest was winning the elections, even at the cost of human lives. The chief executive officer of the Hajj Committee of India has announced that all pilgrims who wish to cancel their Hajj pilgrimage this year amid the coronavirus outbreak will be given a 100% refund. Meanwhile, churches and mosques in Goa will not reopen from June 8th, despite the permission from centre. Religious leaders from the respective communities feel that the situation there is still not conducive for reopening of places of worship. Yesterday, the Delhi police filed an FIR against Sir Gangaram Hospital, a leading facility for coronavirus treatment in the capital. The FIR was filed for violating the government's guidelines related to testing. The complainant alleged that the hospital had not been following the Delhi government's instructions to register coronavirus tests on an official software program. Yesterday, Delhi's Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal had alleged that some private hospitals were involved in the black marketing of beds and said that suspected coronavirus patients cannot be turned away. The Delhi Medical Association condemned the FIR in a statement that read, and I quote, Hospitals are the backbone of healthcare and are serving patients COVID or non-COVID. They are being penalised and the government, instead of praising their efforts, is issuing new diktats daily. 
Doctors of Delhi are already overworked and overstressed in this hour of the pandemic crisis and the state government is unnecessarily putting pressure on healthcare systems. Unquote. Several private hospitals in Delhi claim that they are running at full capacity and do not have any beds available even as the mobile app launched by the Arvind Kejriwal-led government shows a list of vacancies. This includes prominent health facilities like Max Hospitals, the Fortis Hospitals and the Holy Family Hospital. An eight-month pregnant woman died in an ambulance in Delhi on Saturday after eight hospitals allegedly denied her treatment. The woman and her husband spent 13 hours in search of a bed before she died outside a facility in Greater Noida. The Gautam Budnagar administration has ordered an inquiry into the matter. Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal has said that all state-run hospitals in Delhi will be reserved for the residents, while all central hospitals and facilities will remain open for all. And all private hospitals, except those where special surgeries are performed, will also be reserved for Delhi residents. The Chief Minister also declared that the Delhi government will open all borders that were sealed from tomorrow onwards. All places of worship, restaurants, malls and offices will open in the capital from Monday, but hotels and banquet halls will remain closed. The Delhi government has withdrawn the special corona fee, which was 70% of the maximum retail price of all categories of liquor. The order will come into effect from June 10th. A general hospital is the front line of a pandemic outbreak. In India, before the government could even stitch together a framework for handling the crisis, hospitals were already down to the procedural basics, checking for symptoms and treating those symptoms. GTB Hospital, the largest government-run hospital in northeast Delhi, is where some of the earliest batches of patients suspected of the novel coronavirus infection trickled in. They were tested there and sent for quarantine to critical care units, depending on the severity of their condition. Dr. Subhash Giri, a doctor at the hospital, said, and I quote, None of us have dealt with anything like this before. GTB is overcrowded any given day of the week. This is a challenge to social distancing. We do not mean to augment the challenge in any way, but proximity to patients is a professional hazard. Our only choice, which is our professional duty too, is to walk in here and make them feel well. Unquote. So what keeps Dr. Giri going despite the grueling work hours, anxiety, sadness and death? Read Pallavi Singh's report titled Through a Doctor's Eyes, watching the coronavirus crisis unfold at Delhi's GTB hospital. You'll find the report on newslaundry.com. The Uttar Pradesh police has filed a charge sheet against 83 Tablighi Jamaat members, including 57 foreign nationals who were arrested in six different cases registered against them in Saharanpur. The members are accused of spreading coronavirus and not informing the district administration about their participation in the Jamaat's congregation in Delhi in March. West Bengal reported another highest single-day jump in the number of COVID-19 cases and fatalities, taking the total number of positive cases close to 8,000 and the total death toll to nearly 400. The weekly average growth rate of infection is also along the highest in the country, nearly equal to Delhi's 7%. The West Bengal government issued a new notification on Saturday allowing family members of a person who has died of coronavirus to see the body and pay their respects. Assam reported 230 fresh cases in a day, taking the state's tally to 2,473. Four people have died in the state so far. In Tripura, 55 more people tested positive for coronavirus yesterday. Most of these new patients had recent travel history or were in touch with COVID-19 patients. 
With these new cases, Tripura's corona tally rose to 750, out of which 173 have recovered and have been discharged. All others are under treatment. The state has tested 33,276 people for COVID-19. Ten people who had recently returned from Delhi tested positive for coronavirus in Mizoram, taking the state's tally to 34. At least 15 more people have tested positive for coronavirus in Manipur, taking the total number of cases in the state to 172. Now for some international updates on the virus. The global death toll from coronavirus surged past 400,000 according to the Johns Hopkins University. About 30% of these cases, or 2 million infections, are in the US. Latin America has the second largest outbreak with more than 15% of cases. There are over 6.9 million cases globally. COVID-19 has killed 749 people in the United States in the last 24 hours. The latest deaths bring the total death toll in the United States to 109,791. The health ministry in Brazil, which has the world's second largest coronavirus outbreak, has removed the data from a website that was documenting the epidemic over time. The ministry also stopped giving a total count of confirmed cases, which have shot past 672,000, more than anywhere outside the US. President Bolsonaro has played down the dangers of the pandemic, replaced medical experts in the health ministry with military officials and argued against state lockdowns to fight the virus, hobbling the country's public health care response. Neither Bolsonaro nor the ministry gave a reason for erasing most of the data on the website, which had been a key public resource for tracking the pandemic. Mexico's health ministry has reported 3,593 new confirmed cases of COVID-19 and 341 additional fatalities, bringing the total number of infections in the country to 113,619, with 13,511 deaths. The government has said that the real number of infections is likely to be significantly higher than the confirmed number of cases. Russia has reported 8,984 new coronavirus cases in the last 24 hours, pushing the total number of infections in the country to 467,673. Officials said that 134 people have died in the last 24 hours, bringing the official nationwide death toll to 5,859. Australia's Finance Minister Matthias Cormann this morning called the Black Lives Matter protesters reckless, selfish and self-indulgent after tens of thousands took to the streets across the country. Cormann used an interview on Sky News to launch a full-throated attack on participants in yesterday's rallies in several Australian cities because the protesters proceeded in contravention of the current health advice to avoid mass gatherings. Tens of thousands of people marched through Australian cities and towns for Black Lives Matter protests yesterday. This was in defiance against an attempt from the police to ban one of the demonstrations through the courts and despite pleas from the Prime Minister and state leaders for people to stay home. The island nation has reported more than 7,000 COVID-19 infections with 102 deaths so far. Did you know that the US Press Freedom Tracker has recorded over 300 press freedom violations since the protests began in the US? According to The Intercept, the police are being held responsible for more than 80% of these attacks, with the protesters accounting for the rest. The state of journalists in the world's oldest democracy is not very different from India, the world's largest democracy. A report released on March 9th by the Committee Against Assault of Journalists 
32 instances of assault on journalists were recorded in Delhi alone between December 2019 and February 2020. But the responses of the two countries to these attacks have been very different. To find out, read Ayush's report titled Journalists are attacked in both India and the US, but responses differ. Talking of press freedom, even in the middle of a pandemic, journalists in India have come under attack for reporting facts. In Himachal Pradesh, an FIR was filed against a reporter who went live on Facebook to show the migrant workers walking on the roads. The police called it sensational fake news on social media. This is just one case. In another recent report, our reporter Ayush pointed out how News 18 edited its report on shoddy N95 masks being supplied at Ames, so much so that it almost seemed like a completely different story. Even the doctor who was quoted in the report was expelled from the doctors association. Now, as we all know, Ames is a government-run hospital, supposedly the best in the country. So no prizes for guessing why that report was changed. The question is what can we as the public do to prevent such things from happening? The answer is keep media independent. How? Pay to keep news free. In fact, News Laundry was founded on this very idea. We are 100% free of advertisements because we believe when the advertiser pays, the advertiser is served, but when the public pays, the public is served. So do your bit and support independent media organizations. Go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. The Science and Technology Minister of China has said that the country will increase international cooperation if it succeeds in developing a coronavirus vaccine. He said China would make the vaccine a global public good when it is ready. China reported 6 new cases of the novel coronavirus on Sunday, 3 more than the previous day. Five of the new cases recorded on late Saturday involved travelers arriving from abroad. One locally transmitted case was found in the southern island province of Hainan. The National Health Commission also confirmed five new asymptomatic cases. The total number of infections in China where the virus first emerged late last year stands at 83,036. With no new deaths reported, the death toll remains 4,634. Sri Lanka has said that it will reopen for international tourists starting from August 1st after a successful containment of the novel coronavirus. The country's airports had been closed since March because of the global pandemic. Sri Lanka Tourism said in a statement on Saturday that all precautionary measures recommended by global health and travel authorities have been put in place to keep visitors and residents safe. Sri Lanka has reported 1810 confirmed cases including 11 deaths. Now for some non-coronavirus news. Thousands of Israelis demonstrated in Tel Aviv yesterday against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's plan to annex the Jordan Valley and illegal settlements in the occupied West Bank. The de facto annexation of occupied Palestinian land has prompted the Palestinian Authority to threaten that it will withdraw from all agreements with Israel. Protesting in face masks and keeping their distance from each other under coronavirus restrictions, the demonstrators gathered under a banner No to annexation, no to occupation, yes to peace and democracy. Some even waved Palestinian flags. The protest was organized by left-wing groups and NGOs and did not appear to have the support of the wider population. According to a recent poll, around half of Israelis support the annexation. The organizers screened a video addressed by the US Senator Bernie Sanders. Sanders said, and I quote, "It has never been more important to stand up for justice and to fight for the future we all deserve." 
It is up to all of us to stand up to authoritarian leaders and to build a peaceful future for every Palestinian and every Israeli. Unquote. The Palestinian Authority wants an independent state in the West Bank, East Jerusalem and the Gaza Strip, territories that were occupied by Israel in the 1967 war. Now for some homegrown stuff from Newslaundry.com. In the latest edition of Stop Press, News Laundry's weekly newsletter that helps you track the news media ecosystem, Chitranshu talks about what Indian brands powering hate on TV news can learn from Black Lives Matter. You can sign up for the newsletter on our website, newslaundry.com. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.